0: I dug up a secret, buried in shifting sand, stumbled into a mystery, hidden by the high command, guess it's who the trigger... Okay, uh, welcome to the Deep Rex pod. This week, I have Eric from the Books of Titans podcast, um, and that covers uh, fiction and nonfiction. He is... Uh, So you're, you're a web developer, you're a full stack web development shop, one man show type of thing, or?
1: Yeah. So I've been doing web development for 12, 12 years, 13 years now, as of a few days ago. And yeah, my my background is business. So I I more approach it from how, what are your goals as a business or organization? And then how can we use things on the web to make that happen? So along the way, I learned enough website development to to do a website if i if i need like major deep help I, i'll get that help but okay but yeah it's yeah. more kind of helping clients with their online presence
0: right and that's just okay that's just kind of the avenue and uh yeah you've got your violins your uh by you you i are a violinist you so what is it you also you play fiddle too or i mean that's the same thing or it's a little bit different
1: yeah uh, so same thing uh i i i call it fiddling so like a a combo of fiddle and and violin uh so it it's it's more about the style so violin will 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 more frequently be used if you're playing classical whereas fiddle is more like bluegrass that that type of thing uh you know so i was trained classically and then later on in my life kind of learned how to play more on the bluegrass style so yeah depending depending on the situation i'll call it a violin or a or a fiddle
0: Right. Yeah. I kind of had a, a slight grasp of that, but wasn't uh wasn't wasn't completely sure. And anyhow, so your and your podcast has covered just a great swath of books. Um, some of my favorites that I were some of the so I I like I would love to read nonfiction, but I just audiobook basically nonfiction and any reading time that I have, I, I try to read fiction just because maybe the idea that maybe there might be something lost there if you were to audiobook it. I, or not it's just it's just a little thing that i um do um but you uh yeah you measure the time that it takes you're you're very you're very type a yeah personality so it, it, you, have, you have you have a great website um and folks should definitely check that out when they're done with this but um um but yeah and so feel free to um kind of bring up anything that you think of um as far as your background goes in these picks, cause we're going to, we're going to do nonfiction. Uh, we're going to do Eric's favorite, favorite nonfiction titles. And actually uh, when I started this podcast, I was thinking that we wouldn't actually talk about the favorites very much because I was thinking that, Oh, I'll probably be doing movies a lot and like, we don't need to rehash Shawshank redemption type of thing. <laughs> um, but you have some, you have some great favorites. Uh And so we're going to, I want to spend a lot of time on those and then we'll, yeah, we'll do the overrateds and we'll do, uh, your hidden gems. Uh, what else? Um, so yeah, so I have my, I have my warmup questions and you emailed me you're like, Oh, golly. Uh, (laughs) uh, so the, the answer to warm up question, number one is, are you wearing a cologne and and you're not a cologne guy?
1: No, I I think the best way to describe this is, uh, on an international trip one time, you know, in the, the duty free area you can sure. buy cologne I, I bought cologne and that was probably uh 1998 okay and i still had that until a few years ago right so yeah. one bottle lasted 20 yeah. plus years exactly <laughs> that, that that's
0: that's exactly that's exactly where i was with it um <laughs> with it too i think i had some like old aqua and like an old the cost that had like turned on me but uh <laughs> but yeah I, I've, I've since gotten into it over the last year or so and um i am what am i wearing i'm wearing cool water which is a very yeah, uh nice
1: that's what, that's what i had that was the one
0: thing oh, i had oh yeah I'm... i'll tell you i am <laughs> break that cool water out baby and uh it's it's good stuff uh and then also you said that uh not only do you not. so there's no wrong answer to this question i guess the only Wrong way to answer this question is to be uh, snide about it or to not answer it. But I said, what's your relationship to Brett Easton Ellis? And he said, I don't know who that is. So that's yeah. fine. He's the guy. Have you heard of uh, the movie American Psycho? Uh,
1: yeah, I've heard of the movie. I, I haven't and, seen it.
0: but Right. Yeah. So I had been avoiding it for a long, long time just because people talk about it. And it's like oh, it's super violent and has to deal with hookers and all kinds of things like that. And it's a super violent, super violent book that he wrote. It's made into a movie. Um, but I, maybe, maybe if when you have some downtime and you're trying to waste time, YouTube the the business card scene from there. It's very, it's it's actually okay. it's a very it's a kind of like a yuppie commentary on on business and stuff. And it's very, uh, it's very interesting if you and you can via YouTube you can avoid all the gory bits. Um. So, yeah, so that, that launches us straight into, um, your favorites. And so, uh, your number five, holy moly, uh, the LBJ Caro series. Um, yeah. So I, I, you said you, you, uh, emailed me and you're like, okay, the, the second book is the shortest and it is, uh. I, I listened I listened to that and it was I was it was amazing so with that yeah. that has already that is already paid for the whole podcast uh, <laughs> in in and of itself because I loved that so much but um, why why did this this kind of newer book uh, jump onto your list?
1: Yeah, I um, I'd always heard about this series and and it, it would it kept coming up. And so one of the things like for this project I'm I'm constantly writing down book ideas for the the following year. And so I'm always making this list and you know when I hear a book come up more than once it's like that's kind of a trigger like hey you need to you need to look deeper into into this one. And so I just kept seeing this LBJ series pop up. And so this year of the project 2021 I'm actually focused on series of books. And so I usually try to read a certain number of books each year. This year, I'm more focused on just getting through a certain number of series. And so, but this series was one of the reasons I decided to make this a year of series, just because I knew that this one would take so long. So right now it's four books. Uh, Robert Carroll is actually writing the fifth book right now. And my assumption going into it is that it would be almost solely about his years as president. And I read the first four books and you only get into his first year of his presidency. And I think that's probably the best way to describe this series is that uh, it is, it just goes so in depth into LBJ's life, but it's not just LBJ. And and the comment I kept getting is why would you want to write read or spend so much time with somebody that despicable and, and, you know, what a waste of time, but Kara's goal here is to teach you about political power and history at the time. So you're you're reading it through the lens of one person, Lyndon Johnson, but you're meeting all the other people around him. You're learning about the history uh, in in the book after the one you read, Means of Ascent. In in the book called uh, Master of the Senate, he spends the first 105 pages of the book telling you about the U.S. Senate. And it's just about you're not hearing about LG yeah. at all.
0: So so I so I I started on that one and I haven't yeah. I haven't got I've I don't know I've probably gotten like I don't know three hours I've gotten a way, way a bit into it. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so it's so good. But yeah, um I had back in the day when before Audible was a thing, I had audio and it was very tedious to do audiobooks because they'd be broken up into many chapters, individual files. I'd listen to the pawnbroker and even that guy who I'd never heard of before, I I was, it was riveting and I eventually got, I, whatever I got, I got off balance with that, but like care, I don't know, man. Like, I, it's like, I guess it's catnip for guys like you and me, but he is freaking amazing. There's no, there's no, there's no no point. I don't know if masters, there's like, no, normally there's like a point in a book where you're like, okay, (laughs) this is fine, but like, let's keep it going. But like, the means of a set one is just wall to wall, yeah, intrigue and, and, and ex- yeah. excitement.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm just picturing like it. It would be such a fascinating movie that that book.
0: Oh yeah, 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 a yeah, TV show, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it has, it has. Yeah, it, it would take there. a long time. Yeah, but uh, yeah. even he's talking about whatever Daniel Webster and the Senate and all and how the, and I'm so I'm so glad that I I'm so glad that I started that Master of the Senate. Because, you know, once you're done with the, the whatever ascent to power, uh, yeah. you, you know, you, power. you hate That's the, the path, one, yeah. or no, sorry, the one that I did this, the second, Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Means, means of, means of ascent, means, yeah, means of
0: ascent, you are so angry and you just hate LBJ. And I just wanted to get back in a time machine and kill LBJ um, <laughs> because I, well, because, he, but he also, but the thing is, Carol does very well as he talks about how poor his dad was. And his dad was a nice guy and and uh, an ethical guy. And he said, well, that's obviously not the way to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and just to, I'm going to link to, uh, to it in the, in the, sh- in the show notes because it was the app you did on it. I was, I was, I was a little bit scared after, cause I was so angry after I finished that book <laughs> and then I thought, Oh man, Oh man, I hope, but you basically, you said everything that I wanted to say about that, about the book in that yeah. episode. And you, I thought you just highlighted all of the most important parts. I mean, I'm talking like every single important part you oh, highlighted awesome. and drew a line under and just uh, it was a great thing to, to lis- listen to it after I'd read it, to just, you know, solidify it in my own mind. And yeah, uh, yeah I could, I was, I was, I couldn't have been more happy with that episode, but it's um, oh, cool. And, the, yeah, and, and, so- and, the, and and the master of the Senate, he, he takes you to the next step of why it seems like he's taking you to the next step of why LBJ, why not to go back in time and kill LBJ or why LBJ was important.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I just finished reading this one uh, working by Robert Carroll. Uh, I finished this a few days ago. I'm actually going to cover this in this, this upcoming Friday's episode, but this, this, like, once you get through the other books, you need to read this because it's like, he pulls the curtain back. And so I'm on this Robert Carroll kick right now. And and so I bought the power broker as well. And and I'm going to try to read that this year uh, after I I get through some of the other books, but it's, it's amazing because the the parts that struck you in means of ascent and the parts that'll strike you in the other books, he kind of digs in deep in what it took to get that information. And it's just kind of mind blowing. And and, uh, it's stuff like he would just ask people questions over and over and it'd be the same question. And they'd be like, why are you asking me the same question? Uh, but he, he understood that like the more he dug, the more he would get, um, the, my, one of my favorite things was cause he wrote the power broker first and in, in, uh, the LBJ series, it gets into like LBJ had a lot of mistresses, but there was one in particular that he, like, he was totally in love with. And, um, and this this woman like helped him politically, but then she was engaged and then ultimately married to a guy who was helping LBJ. So this guy was like giving money, and then he was in media. So he was giving airplay in newspaper time to LBJ. And meanwhile, LBJ's sleeping with his and and this guy never found out. Um and, and, but anyway, Carol writes a lot about this woman. Her name is Alice Glass, and he writes a lot about her because LBJ was so like he would, he had that ambition going his whole life and he would never let anything get in the way, but this could have completely derailed his life. And it was like the one thing in his life that was outside of that super control. And so he highlights her book, but the amazing thing is is in this working book, he, he says because of what he did with the power broker uh, Alice Glass's sister knew that Caro would discover Alice Glass in his research. Like th- she read The Power Broker and was like, this man digs so deep. He goes so deep into a person. There's no way he's not going to find out about Alice. So Alice's sister went to Caro's office and said, and, and met with him and said, hey, I know you're going you're gonna to find out about Alice. I know you probably already have. Let me give you additional information. So I, I just thought that was incredible. Like, but that was one of the things that, due to his his focus and his style of writing and just digging deeper and reading everything that made a impression on Alice class's sister to where she wanted to come up front and be like hey I know you're going to find this so here's some more information yeah it's just incredible
0: no that's and it's and it's um I guess uh, so. What I'm trying to say is that the people that I, I had already been thinking about this for a while. I think, um, uh, and I, but I I don't think I would have prioritized it to to mm-hmm. to for you know. It just wouldn't have worked its way up there, even though I would have known that it was good. So I'm trying to. I'm struggling to try and because I because I actually I want people. I don't want just. You know, we're about the same age. We're the exact mm-hmm. same demo. We have the—I think—we have very similar interests. Um, but I—I I want everyone to 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 audiobook um, this thing, and 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 um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of how to how exactly to convey that. But I mean, there was just things that I don't get, and I, I listen to a lot of books and I don't get, like the, you know, he—I mean, he was doing uh you know what do they call it um, she, uh, boot leather or i mean he was he was out he was out burning the soles of his feet you know um reporting finding people to talk to that hadn't gone on the record yet you know what i mean yeah, yeah. not like getting their deathbed confessions but like um so he well, just he, he did.
1: I mean, yeah. Did, or, yeah. Won one, won yeah. Go. I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He did. He actually got one. Yeah. So I have. No. I've been. Audible is obviously recommending Working to me, and I am. I'm looking forward to. I'm gonna. Yeah. Listen to that. I'm looking forward to that. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, and Working is one of those books where I. I think if you haven't read any Carol, like it's not it's not a good book in the sense like he's got some he just puts in an article that somebody wrote about him uh he writes some other stuff so like it's a mis- mis- mismatch of new and old like it, it doesn't okay it's it's not like i mean there's other books like if you if you're wanting to read a book about how to write this is not the one but if okay. you've read caro and you're like i almost cried when i read this part and then you see what went into getting that it's like it's just it's amazing and so mm. yeah if you've read carol you have to read working okay. and um but i mean he he lived in the hill country of texas for three years and he said wow. that made all the difference he was planning on just having two chapters about lbj's childhood and the first book of the series is almost solely dedicated to his childhood and he said nobody would talk to him because he was from manhattan this is robert Carroll. nobody would talk to him he's from manhattan he's going to this small town in texas and they're like look, we've already told this story. We've had tons of journalists exactly. here. You know, what are you going to get new? And he said it wasn't until him and his wife moved to the hill country of Texas for three years that he started getting actual information and the other side of the story,
0: mm-hmm. not
1: what everyone, because it's also, the, it's small town and it's like, you don't want to say anything bad about the, the person that came from your small town and rose to the top, you know? Right. But like by living there, he got to see the other side and he ended up writing a, what, 800 page book almost solely about his early life. And he was planning on dedicating two chapters. And And what he says too is almost any other book you read about LBJ dedicates two chapters and it's just very surface level stuff, but he was able to dig deep. And yeah, I mean, it, it, that was just incredible. So for me, I love, it sounds like you as well. I just, I love those kind of books where you're, you're watching one person through history. And so, yeah, you, you, you may be reading about LBJ, but you're learning about so much more and that, that's going to help you in so much. And so for, for this reading project, one, one of my rules is no news. And, and I'll catch a little bit. I mean, I get like a daily email of kind of the top stories, but the main thing there is I, I don't have news on on the TV at all times. I mean, I'll, I'll walk into some people's houses and there's a news station on the entire day.
0: And sure, yeah.
1: it, like, I, I'm not smart enough to parse through what is being said to find out what's actually happening. But when you read this Robert Caro series, it's almost like what you're learning there is more important to our time right now than if you were reading the newspaper, because 100%. this is the civil rights bills. Uh, you're learning. I mean, Caro, Caro talks, starts off one of the books talking about how hard it was for an African-American woman in Eufaula alabama to vote and then he talks about her husband uh the the one night this is 1957 a car drives by and they start shooting out the lights at at this at this guy's house and and he's like man i need i need to call the cops so he goes to look out the porch to see if he can see the 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 license plate on the car and it's the police car
0: right yeah i heard yeah i got got to that part it's just yeah yeah. so
1: it's like that just kind of puts everything into perspective like the fee, I mean, what kind of fear would that create when you don't have anybody to call? Right. And this is just so that you can go vote. Right. That's where you're at before LBJ gets in. So what you, you know, what you were saying before with, with means of ascent and like, you just, you think the guy's the worst guy ever that that's the beauty of this whole series is like, you can't come away with that as the final, your final take on LBJ because it's, yeah, he was utterly evil, but he also did this. He also made Martin Luther King Jr. cry in, in admiration for what he said. Like, how, how do you balance those things? A guy that voted against civil rights for 20 years, 100% of the time.
0: Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the thing. He, he voted against civil rights, he voted against like the anti lynching laws. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and, but I, that, so that's the thing. That, that's why I guess I'm so glad that I started in on the second one, you know, where they're asking, Oh, how many bubbles in a bar of soap in order to to be able to vote and stuff. But, but, um, but more so because I was thinking that LBJ did all of this bad stuff. And then basically, I mean, he just talked out of both sides of his mouth is a nice way to put it his entire life. But then basically as the time came that he, um, he went along with the civil rights, because he saw that the tide was changing type of thing and i think what caro's building towards which i haven't gotten to yet was that he's saying that no one has been able to manipulate the senate to 100th of a degree that uh, lbj did before him or after him he's like this sole person and so basically saying i think what he's going to come to correct me if i'm wrong is that it wouldn't have happened with LBJ because LBJ would no one would else would have been able to finesse it or something. I guess I guess yeah. it, it happened when he was president though. But
1: well, but, he, but he, but still, started, he started.
0: He started yeah, all these started favor- the favors he built up, I assume, and, and different things, and yeah,
1: yeah, and, and and the cool thing, especially in 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 this the working book, is that um, Caro says his his initial desire to, to write about LBJ was from his Senate years, not his president years. And okay, he had yeah. just, he had that just shifted sense. things so much in the Senate that Carol was like, I, I need to understand how he did that. Right. And so that's what started the whole thing. So that's, that's kind of two, why you see the third book is solely dedicated to the, to the Senate. That's the longest book. It's the only one of the four that, re, that got a Pulitzer prize. Uh, the power broker got a Pulitzer prize as well, but the, of the LBJ series, the master of the Senate is the only one that got the Pulitzer. Um okay. But yeah, I mean, it, that was his driving force. And then, you know, you get into the fourth book and you, you barely get into when he's president. It's, okay. it's just, it's incredible. I mean, he, but you read this stuff and you're like, like what you said before, it's not boring, first of all, but then second off, you're seeing how all of, you, you really need to know about each of these pieces of the puzzle to understand LBJ. So yeah, yeah maybe you could read a 200 page book about LBJ And maybe get the highlights, but like just the the deeper you dig with with Caro, it's like it's really important to know all of these pieces.
0: Yeah, and I I wonder. um, I I, uh, you you did such a good job going into it in your podcast, and it's kind of a a dead end to go into, but I it just it's noted needs to be brought up. I mean the whole I mean basically the whole time I'm I, I, I was saying like I said whatever I tweeted I said it almost put me in the psych ward because the yeah. whole time I'm going crazy. I mean he treats Ladybird like crap. He, he I mean not even just cheating on her. He just literally goes out of his way to be horrible to her in front of his friends just to show that he asserts power in every aspect of his life. Yeah. Um uh I mean that just I mean, he, he reneges on business promises that he had his radio station. He just everything. um, I'm sorry. I forget where I I was going with this. Oh, oh, but then it obviously he spends a lot of time on the stolen election in 48 that have that just, I mean um, it's, I mean, it's just like, it's just like, it's, it's just a a blueprint of, Oh, we're going to go to the, you know, we're going to go to the poor districts. We're going to go to just all these type of things. So it's worth it. Um, that that also whatever whatever his whatever history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes or so I forget what the quote yeah. is. But there's definitely yeah. you know, um, there's that going on too. Um,
1: well, I, real quick, I think the best summation of the of the entire series is after I did the first episode of the podcast, somebody somebody contacted me and I think I mentioned this in the means of ascent episode, but somebody contacted me and they said, I went to journalism school and I've worked in journalism for 30 years. And I learned more from the the LBJ series than all of that, all of that 30 years of working and school combined. Uh, and he said, I, he's read the series like three times in his life. I,
0: and, and you would think that would be just hyperbole, but I can as an ignoramus as far as journalism goes i can t- i can totally see that because there was i was learning things and i could and i'm and i probably wasn't even picking up on half of it you know what i mean yeah. Um, so yeah I, I can't say enough i guess that's just somebody just uh, obviously don't for the most people maybe don't read it but maybe just try to try to audio try to ease into it and audiobook it would you mm-hmm. do you think most people should start with the means of ascent i mean the, so i i actually i was i was about halfway through means of ascent and i was so excited i thought no i need to go back i need to start with the first book because i'm loving this so much but then i thought wait a second i freaking hate this guy i don't want to <laughs> I, I don't think i can spend that much more time with him i need to just finish this um and then I'll, and then get on to, and i definitely want to do that master of the senate book but where do you think yeah. people should start
1: well my my suggestion is uh well, the, he writes in such a way that you can pick up any of them and, yeah. and just be right in the middle. Like he, his introductions are just incredible. I mean, just his introductions and they, and they put you in the place to where you, you feel like you, you're right there. I mean, if you start in the fourth book, you could read the intro and, and kind of have a good placement on without having read the first three. So I, I would say that, but, but my whole. The, the one thing that sticks out over this entire series is a statement he makes in the introduction to the very first book. And he's paraphrasing someone else who says, you cannot understand Lyndon B. Johnson unless you understand the hill country of Texas. And then he spends like the first two chapters at least, or no, it's the first whole section of, of that first book he spends on the hill country of Texas and what, and what that means. And so I mean, his whole premise for this series is that you can't understand LBJ unless you understand the Hill Country of Texas, and that's the book with the most information about the Hill Country of Texas. And I and I found that to be true. Like you, you, you learn so much in that first book that that paves the way for the rest. So yes, you could just pick up one of the books. Uh, you could just pick up Means of Ascent. It's the shortest, um, but. I yeah I mean you, you get so much more if if you're willing to to read all four knowing that there's a fifth on the way knowing that I, I track my reading is as, um, as we discussed earlier it took me 120 hours to get through this these four books um, and, and I, I read them uh, I, I don't I don't do well with audiobooks so I, I have to read them and so um, that's 120 hours of your of your life. I read through the entire Bible last year and, and it didn't take that. It took 105 hours. So this LBJ <laughs> series took longer than the entire Bible. And, um, but it, it was, it was worth it. And it brings up like philosophical questions. It brings up political questions, um, morality. It, it should, it covers so much, but it's in, Oh, it's just so well done that I, I, I would seriously challenge everyone to, to try to, to get through all four books at some point in their life, uh, knowing that it's going going to take a long time, but it's, it's worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, we could, we, I I could probably, we could just say that for another hour or so. I, 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 I struggle to, I'm struggling to, to convey the gravity and how, how entertaining they are. Um, Mm -hmm. but I guess I just have to stop trying. And also I hate to say but the, the, um, the covers are gorgeous they're yeah. just they look so good um i don't know the font the color everything they just it looks amazing um yeah yeah and uh and just yeah yeah so we could uh, it, yeah we, we could go caro-esque link i'm talking about him so yeah. your number four uh why don't you tell the folks yeah, what that, that, one is. that
1: one's um thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman Uh, and this, this is under the category of behavioral uh, economics. Uh, so it's kind of a combination of psychology and economics, but more on the psychology side. And the reason I, I put this as number four is, uh, well, I was thinking the other day, like I'm really bad at rating books because whatever book I'm reading, I think is the greatest thing on the planet as I'm reading it. So I end up giving like a lot of books, five stars but when I, when I think back to it later, it's like, there are some books that are good books. There are some books that are great books. And then there are some books that are important books. And I would put this under the category of important books. And when I say important books, it, it means that it, it informs a lot of other books. So you could, you could spend all your time reading these other books or you could go to that important book as the source. And yeah. I mean, th- there's even other, There's obviously other b- books that would be considered a source of thinking fast and slow, but I have read so many other books for this project that they took one idea out of thinking fast and slow and then applied it to like their field. So one example would be the um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. So that, that's a negotiation book. He takes one behavioral psychology idea from thinking fast and slow applies it to the area of negotiation and the, and then goes from there um, and, the, and the, there's other books that i've read that that do the same thing there's just so many different ideas in in with thinking fast and slow it's kind of he he breaks it down you've got this you've got two different brains one is the the the, the fast one and the other one's the slow one the fast one is is sometimes talked about or discussed as the you're unconscious so it's just kind of the thing that comes to mind without you Consciously sitting there thinking about it, whereas System Two is the slow one. That's that's more your conscious thought, um, and so it, it kind of you know asks all these questions of can can you take something from your conscious thought and get it to the level of your unconscious, um, or on the unconscious side, what happens a lot is we don't even realize why we're thinking or what we're thinking it's, it's just natural. And so this book kind of takes, takes you a step back and it's very dense. It's very, it's, it's, it's hard to get through. It's just so much material, but it's one of those that it's worth reading because it is one of those important books that you will see across so many other books. And then it just also helps you understand how your own mind works, how your own mind can fool you, um, how some decisions are better to just let that fast one go and the unconscious. Some decisions are better to to do the slow and and conscious thought, and so yeah, this is one I I, I probably just need to reread every five years or something just to keep those ideas fresh. Uh, so that's why I put that one at at the fourth.
0: No, and I think level. I think I think you're in good. I think you're in good company. And like you said, like I think there were so many. I don't know what my exact problem with it was i think i probably got through about a third of it and i I, what i would say before this was that i would say that he is an amazing mind and just not a really not a very good writer Mm -hmm. Um, but this is a very long time and uh, this is a very long time ago and i didn't know i was ever going to (laughs) podcast about it but um but and so i saw i was very like i was very like annoyed and and i was just like i'm not i'm not going to do this but then you know for the people for people that only read one book a year one book every two years this was kind of like that book for a yeah. while and and this was this was um this was uh yval harari's book before yeah. that you know what i mean type of thing yeah yeah um and and i he had yeah like i mean i'd probably had like audiobooks like 10 books before i mean thinking fast and so didn't come out for a while people were citing his work and they were making yeah. money off of his work putting it into their books beforehand and then <laughs> and then and then after his book came out there's just so i mean yeah like whatever you can't swing a dead cat without hearing about system one and system two yeah uh, if you're on audible uh but uh but yeah so i think it is, is super super important and um and then I, I mean the whatever the Undoing Project, Malcolm Gladwell's book about him and uh, uh,
1: Michael, the, Lewis, Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis, yeah. yeah sorry, wrote my, that
0: one. Yeah, yeah, Michael Lewis. Um, yeah, that was, tra- traversky, that was traversky. his 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 partner. You know, that was that that was amazing. That was amazing. That was a great book. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah. So I think I kind of whisked out on on Thinking Fast and Slow, and probably need to definitely need to listen to your episode. You did an episode on it or not?
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah okay you definitely need to listen to that and then see if that can uh talk me back um but yeah i can't i can't all i can say is that i didn't think i i don't think i liked it but i can't argue without it even if it was like your number one book i that would have to go with that um so the google gulag archipelago is number three um yeah and so did you say you you didn't you didn't there's a long version and a short version or there's a a abridged version or what is the deal with this
1: yeah so there's a three it's a three volume set the full the full set and i read the abridged version um the abridged so a few years ago jordan peterson had written a forward for the abridged version so i I just got that version and Applebaum had originally written the forward for the abridged version so you you can get either one um but I, i was just curious what what uh peterson would say i don't i don't even really remember what he said uh because the the gulag archipelago is so it's it's amazing but um but yeah i read the abridged version the thing that was great about the abridged version is he would write the chapters that were taken out so he would write the title of it and then you just saw that that was not there and i i even thought the abridged version went on a little long at at some points um so i would say if you if you're really sorry go ahead
0: Sorry. Did he say so he took, he took out whole, he just took out whole chapters. So it's like, actually you've, it's not like he's done it here and there. So like, theoretically you could go in and, and know where you need to backfill. If you wanted to say you read the whole thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think so. I mean, I, I, I just recall seeing that you would have a, a chapter head and then nothing there. Um, okay. And so you kind of knew, okay, here was a chapter about this. Um, but the abridged version doesn't, doesn't contain that. But yeah, even, even in the abridged version, I I would, some parts got a little slow for for me to where, I mean, if I was super interested in in more on the historical side and really wanted to dig deep, I would get the three volumes. But um, I think most people can probably just read the abridged version and and get the, the main parts of it.
0: Okay. Get the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess the thing is, I, I guess that the, the reason why I, uh haven't dipped into it is i guess i feel like it you know it's like some documentary about like a horrible crime or something and it's like yeah no i already i already agree that the court system is flawed and that bad guys are bad you know what i mean like i i i I don't know like how would you how would you encourage someone to i mean it sounds like it, it uh whatever atlas shrugged you know i mean she just goes on and she just kind of belabors the point again and again and again and over and over and over again. Um, but like she was trying to drive something home there and mm-hmm. in hindsight to see how things have progressed, I can't really falter <laughs> for <laughs> wanting to drive home, you know, whatever the horrible bureaucracies and things like that. And so I guess, is it just that he's, he's making a big point that is worth all of that time or it's history or, I I guess, so how, how, if that's, if I think, okay, yeah, I already agree that communism is bad, or then why do I need to read the Gulag Archipelago? What would be your response to that, I guess?
1: Yeah. Um, So the, the next three books on my list, all are from people who have suffered deeply. And what I've found in my reading is that those are some of the best books. It's, it's, it's like you read a book about war from somebody who's been there, and the lessons there are forged in deep suffering. And so, just in general, any lesson that is forged in suffering, whether it's the loss of a child or the loss, you know, just like deep loss in someone's life, um, it's like it's like they get insight that you and I are never going to get just in, in our in our lives. And so, th- this falls under that category where uh, Solzhenitsyn was in the Gulag as a political prisoner. Like he, he wrote one letter that was against Stalin and, and was put in the gulag for, for eight years. And so the gulag archipelago, it's, it's uh, archipelago is a, a, a series of islands that, that make up a, a group. And so he calls the gulag system, it's, it's, the, it's the prison system for communist uh, Soviet Russia. And so these prisons would just be throughout, throughout Russia. And they were kind of in plain sight to where people knew that people were disappearing and, and going into these things, but it was also kind of hidden in the, in the fact that you couldn't talk about them. Like if you talked about a family member that would had just disappeared, you might, that may make you sympathetic to that person. And then you might be thrown into the gulag. So yeah. On, on one sense, you're getting the history of, of the gulag system and, and how, how awful it was, but that's not the thing that you come away with and that you remember because he talks, he kind of goes deeper onto a, a soul level and, and talks about like, who are the people that make it through the gulag system? And then, uh, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me the most was he, he asks who who's being punished in the gulag system. So with the gulags, you had the, the guards and they were being fed and, and if they did a good job, they were being promoted. And so if, if you were external of this whole thing and you're looking, you see a group of prisoners and you see the guards and you see the guards well-fed, well-dressed, you know, it's freezing cold. They're well-dressed. Everything Everything's looking good. They're moving up in their life. You would think the prisoners are the ones being punished. But Solzhenitsyn makes the point that the guards are being punished at a soul level for what they're doing to their fellow human beings. And so... It's like, I mean, Solzhenitsyn's getting tortured. He describes that. He describes how awful it is. And you're like, man, this, this guy must be so bitter. But like, I can't even imagine being in that sort of a situation and being able to kind of pull myself outside of that and, and look at the guards and say, they are suffering more than I am because their souls are being damaged. Like they're, they're going on a path that is making them less human. And me as the prisoner, me as, as the prisoner, I'm in a better state. He said he developed his soul at the gulag. Yeah. Okay. And so, it, I mean, it just, it, it just kind of makes it like, you, you think you have problems in your life. And here's a man who is talking about the development of his soul as he's being tortured and just deprived of, of everything. Um, it's, I don't know. It's just one of those books. It's like, how, how do you even how do you even deal with this? Like, how, how do you even? Okay. It's, 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 it's incredible. So yeah. Yes. You're, you're learning about how awful the gulag is, but you're, you're learning about human nature. You're learning about the best of human nature in the okay. absolute. No, I'm not, I'm not one of those people of that is
0: just, um, if they, that tries to, uh, say things are valueless so that they don't have to engage with them uh i definitely i definitely feel like there's a piece of my life puzzle that's missing because i haven't read this book yet so that's why i I just wanted to get you you know to have you have you help me along there um and i have to while you were seeing i was i was on my phone just because i had to google because this is one of the best jokes i think i've ever even heard you know this one about the the two guys in the i think i don't know i've just googled it i don't think it's going to be as good as um i don't know if it was slavo zizak or whoever is saying it but uh there's two i i, I remember it with three guys but we'll just i'm going to read it off my phone there's two guys and it says uh two log inmates are talking okay. And one guy says uh what's your sentence uh, and he says he says 20 years he says 20 years what did you do he goes I didn't do anything. He goes, no, 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 no. That's impossible. That's impossible. You only get 10 years for doing nothing. that. I, 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 for 10 for, for, for nothing. You only get 10. years. So, <laughs> so um, I've messed it up. That's not, I think it's better to go with three guys and then you really build up the suspense uh, for everybody at home. Cause I think everybody should be telling that joke, but uh, obviously I've, I've botched it. Um, okay. So, and then the, your number two is a, a shorty uh the autobiography of frederick douglas um and if you see me look at my phone it's just because i have my notes on audible mm-hmm. here um but yeah number two that's a prime spot how did how did this make it that far up
1: yeah all right and it, it sounds like you uh you hit the play button sorry did
0: i meet did i meet myself no
1: there you go oh no I, i'm not i no it it, it sounded oh, no okay. it sounded like the audiobook was
0: playing so i couldn't hear that sorry so i i, I have my phone. <laughs> I have my sound No on. it's all
1: good. Um yeah so th- this is kind of one of those one of those other books where it pulls a lesson that you're not expecting and his lesson here is is similar to Gulag Archipelago where he's uh he's concerned about the really the soul of of his master and his master's wife. And he's watching these people change as humans by enslaving him. And it, it, it's just, again, not what I go into the book expecting. I expect to hear the horrors of slavery, and you do. I expect to hear how awful it is to families and, and all that. And I do. The, the thing I least expected to hear was how it was damaging to the slaveholder as much if not more than the slave. Like if you made that statement today, yeah. you could almost get in trouble for that. Of like, how could it be worse than for the master than that? But Frederick Douglass has, himself is saying this because it corrodes the soul. And if you have a whole group of people doing that, it's corroding your country. It's corroding the nation. Um and so again, yeah, just you know, very similar with Gulag Archipelago, it's like, how do you <laughs> how do you handle that? You know, it's like, it's just, again, something you're not expecting when you're, when you're reading about human suffering and somebody, somebody kind of getting above that suffering to pull out.
0: Sure. Yeah. Something no, I, a much so I, I have my own little, uh, whatever nonfiction solo audio uh, podcast that I do. Um, so that I'll have, I'll go through my notes on there, but there's yeah. just, I had some, some of them that I put down are just, I, I never watched the 12 years of slave maybe they go into some of that on that but just one thing he talks about is like yeah um i think he i think his father was a slave was his master or whatever you know and so like he always got extra hate and extra dictated whippings obviously from the wife from the mistress because it was like a, just a constant sign to her so that's obvious mm-hmm. you know that's that's a mm-hmm. direct kind of um uh thing going on there um And then just, you know, I mean, he's like a calf or something is separated. They purposely separate them from their mother, send them to another plantation or something. Um, But then just his, um, Mm -hmm. the amazing way that he learns how to read and write by uh, giving the, he had, he had, he he was, he got to be, go to be basically a city slave and so he had all the bread he could want, and so he would give it to the yeah. poor little, poor little boy, white boys who knew how to read, who had been taught to read, and he and they were hungry, and st- uh, he, so he would give it to them for reading lessons, um, and then yeah, and then learning how yeah. to write later on by saying like, hey, I bet you I can write better than you. <laughs> and then and then they would give him a free be like no you yeah, can't yeah. you're you're just a you know you're, you're, you're a, you know what and then they'd give him a free writing <laughs> lesson uh, it's just I mean but then the idea that like oh my god here's this yeah. person that just has to bend over backward I, I wouldn't be able to think to do those things to learn how to read and write you know um, and then that's yeah probably being able to read and write was probably something that contributed to him being able to get free because he was able to kind of basically write these letters of transit um, or passport type, you know, Oh, my slave has the the privilege to go to Baltimore for Easter weekend or whatever type of thing. Um, so, yeah. So, and it's, I can, I mean, this, it's a, it's definitely worth reading just cause it's, it's so short and it has a lot of, I don't know. I got a lot, I got a lot of good, good notes out of it. Um, and uh, is is amazing that yeah. it, it seemed like, one of the things that made him the most kind of like, I don't know if it's like, it's like capitalism or it's like something, but it was because I wonder, I wonder if he had always stayed on the farm. he probably never would have, it would have been harder to get away, but also he was going out and earning whatever, $7, or $9 a week. And then he had to come home, and give that money over and then get like 20 cents back. And it's like that that really yeah. brings it home. Whereas if you're, out in the yeah. field working all day, and there's not a such a measure on it, and you're with everyone else. I don't know. It just it, it was um yeah. The only yeah. the only downside is that he's writing it. It would be interesting to have a listen to an afterword or something because he's writing it and he's saying, Yeah, I'm not really going to go into details about how I escaped because I don't want I don't want him to close those loopholes. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, that, uh, so I read his biography last year. Um, okay. the Frederick Douglass biography. And uh, it was, it was incredible. So, and, and that was one of the main reasons I wanted to, because, because he did say, I can't tell you the details. So I, I wanted to learn more. And then I wanted to learn more about his, the second part of his life, because the autobiography only covers uh, up to 1845, I, I, I believe. So um, yeah, that, that was incredible. And that's another uh, good one to, to read. Alongside, alongside the autobiography, um, just some amazing. Yeah.
0: And then, and then, I guess the other thing is as well. If you're you're looking at this, he's, he he gets up to the north, and he he just figures like, well, in the north they don't have slaves, so they're probably whatever sitting on nail kegs and wearing (laughs) potato sacks or something you know uh because he's like wait a second there's more refinement and how how is all of this wealth generated without slaves you know and it's just like this it's just like this idea of just um Yeah. yeah yeah just this idea of like whatever holding people back is is not the uh well obviously there's Totally different farming economy and whatever industrial economy and everything, but just the idea that just holding people back and subjugating them just can't be the way. It's not not the way for for anybody to benefit. Um, yeah, uh, cool. Okay, so yeah. Yeah. your number one uh, man, Victor Frankl's "Man Search for Meaning." I had this was like one of the first books when I started audiobooking. This was one of the first books I listened to, so I really needed to. Um, to have another, have another go at it. So I'm, I wasn't able to finish it completely, but I'm almost there. Um, why, why is it, why is this your number one? I mean, I, I can get, I, I can surmise maybe, but.
1: I think part of it is I've always had that question of who makes it through the, the most horrendous suffering you can imagine. I mean, who, who, who is the type of person that makes it through the concentration camp or through the gulag or through like the most horrendous things that you can think of. Like what kind of a person makes it through that and doesn't give up and doesn't commit suicide or or you know, like who who makes it through? And Frankel in this book says he he has just this devastating comment where he said, The best of us didn't make it. And so first off, you just have to acknowledge that there's a lot of chance in that, uh, in the concentration camps, there's guards just shooting at random. Uh, there's the separation at the beginning where you just some go to the gas chamber, some don't. So one on one side of it sh- is just plain luck that you, that you make it through it. But past that, is there something about the human spirit? Is there something about, uh, how you're thinking about your situation that either gets you through it or, or not. And so frankel kind of goes into those questions and it's it's a lot of the that counterintuitive stuff uh did, did you ever listen to it or read the book unbroken um it's sorry,
0: sorry. yeah i was on mute sorry uh, is, is that is that the running a, book? a story so, from world no. war ii okay no i did
1: not yeah um yeah he was he was a runner and he was actually in the the berlin olympics he met hitler Uh, But then you know he's he's U.S. and he he goes to war and and his plane gets shot down um, in Asia and then he gets taken up by the the Japanese. But when his plane gets shot down, there's three of them and they have to live in a raft for a while. And so um, Louis uh, Zamperini, that's the no 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 No, that's that's um, that's where that's where sorry I'm talking about a different book because we want to have some latitude here. Yeah. Yeah. So it it ties in because, uh, Louis Zamperini, he, he finds that, okay, here's the amount of food that we have. We have no idea how long we're going to be at sea here, but we need to ration this food or we're not going to make it. And so he, he says, you know, you have this amount, you have this amount to the three guys and they wake up the next morning. And one of the guys has eaten an, an entire chocolate bar. And they, they were supposed to ration that to where you would just get a little sliver of that every, every day. And the one guy just ate the whole thing the first the first night. And that's the first guy that died. And in Man's Search for Meaning, you see that over and over, that you would think in such deprivation that you would want to hoard, you would want to, anytime that you could get something, you would want to get and keep and fight everybody else off so you could keep it. And what Frankel points out is that actually... Some of the people that survived were those that gave the most, and so is there is there a level past sustenance that that a human it, it can actually cause a human to survive by helping other humans in the worst possible of of scenarios? Is is there something deeper? Uh, it kind of gets back again to the the Gulag Archipelago and and, and Frederick Douglass of of that idea of a soul like is is there something that's beyond your material needs beyond your immediate needs that if you actually gave what you did have away that that would somehow keep you alive more than hoarding and and eating the whole candy bar that first night and so that's the kind of stuff but then just i mean man's search for meaning so um a search for meaning in, in all of this so like in in this all this evil is 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 there is is there meaning in this uh, for the individual? Um, so there's a lot of questions that come up, but it's just the way he writes about it. And, and again, that's another kind of short book. It, it's kind of two parts. One is more like the second part is his psychology uh, ideas, but the first part is more on the 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 concentration camp side of things. Um, it, it's all connected, but like the, that first part. I mean, you can you can get through that pretty quickly, but it just it packs a punch and it's it packs a punch because it's a man who's gone through suffering it's a man who's survived and it's a man who's looked at why did this person survive other than others uh, rather than others and he would even notice like you would have like in the concentration camp you you if you got a hold of a cigarette like you would just hold it because that could be, you could trade that later for food or something, and he noticed that if somebody actually smoked the cigarettes that they had, a sign that they, they, they would be dead. By yeah, the day later yeah. I, that was one of my. That was one of they, my. They had just yeah, given up.
0: More important, yeah. uh, interesting. You know, it's, um yeah. But I guess my yeah. my, my, my question so is. So yeah, I, I, in right we, we we most likely will not face those same anything a fraction of those circumstances. So how if if as far as you know searching for meaning and stuff i, I and i so i had a guy my thing was in episode two and i asked him what an overrated book was and he thought this was overrated and i i've always liked it i think i rated it four stars mm-hmm. i had nothing but i i could see what he was saying about it is that i remembered it as kind of just like one bullet point where it's like find Find a thing, find a reason. Whether it's your scientific paper, mm-hmm. whether it's your daughter, whether it's um, whatever, and, and and hold on to that, and 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 let that bring you through. But I guess everyone, everyone thinks, "Oh my God, I love my child. I would jump in front of a bullet for my child." Um, but, but then they or in my mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, we'll just say it's me. Uh, but then I whatever I lose my cool or. I'm not as loving or I'm not as patient, you know what I mean? And so, so chances are I will only be encounter those, those small things that I will never have to jump, uh, jump in front of a bullet. Uh, but everyone assumes that they would, ar- hopes that they would arise to the occasion. Um, how does, how does this book or the Kulark Arch- Archipelago do you, I assume that in some way it kind of helps, helps you think about things that. And then, and then does help you out in your daily life.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you actually answered your own question in, in a way there. Of, um, and this is pointed out in the Gulag Archipelago, and it may be in *Man's Search for Meaning* as well, but uh, especially in the Gulag Archipelago, Solzhenitsyn says the people that made it through the Gulag were those that were, that had prepared beforehand they were the type of person who makes it through the gulag before they ever got to the gulag. And I think, you know, Victor Frankl, I, I don't, I, probably, I need to read a biography of his life, but chances are he could have been having a conversation like you and I are having, like, this is never going to happen. Like, why, why would I need to be prepared for, for this? Um, and maybe things were worse. I mean, they they had had world war one, you know, 30 years before, but like, No, I, I think a, I think that's a a a, a problem uh, okay. in thinking that way because these things could happen at any point, and it's really hard for us to to think about that in in our comfort right now. But if you look at human history, this kind of stuff happened and has happened all the time. And so, yes, there's the possibility, and maybe for us, very slight possibility that that this does happen. But the point of, of these books is that you're not going to be that. You're not going to all of a sudden rise to the occasion. And I think Tim Ferriss says something uh, along the lines of, you, you, don't, you don't rise to your expectations. You, you, you come in at the, the level of your training. And it, it, so it's kind of that idea. And, and it's with my podcast, and, and I, I bring this up a lot, but just the importance of daily habits and small decisions, and those are those are making you into the type of person that, if if you do end up going to something like this, it makes you the type of person that would survive that. You're not going right. to become that person when you get arrested and, and, and you fall there. to the level you of your training yeah. today, like right now. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and and so that that's another reason these books are so important. God forbid that we do get into a situation like this in 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 our lives. Uh, it would be awful. I don't know how I would, re- I would respond. I've never been to war. I've had I have friends who have been to, to war. I don't even know how I would, re- I would respond in battle. Um, but the point is you, you're, you're training your decisions with your kids, your decisions with your wife, your decisions on what you do when no one is watching you and no one's looking. That's the kind of stuff that is going to make a difference there, but it's also going to make a difference right now no and that's what i think you're right
0: together. and i think um uh so i guess a, the a better question for this episode would have been what's your relationship with tim ferris because obviously he's a big influence on you and you're a big fan of his podcast uh naming your uh your podcast after uh kind of an homage to his his tools of titan's book and i guess for me um yeah I, I, and i people might think this is silly now or something because so many of his ideas have been filtered into the mainstream. Um, But I mean, he, he he probably has that. He probably has like, my voice is not cracking here. He probably has like the biggest influence of like any single person, any writer, any, any outside source uh, in my life, just because I, uh, you know, I'd always thought, I always felt like I had like a four pack, but like, it just turns out that everything I ate goes to my face. So I, I, so I, um, I heard somebody talking about like his slow carb diet, where like you, were on, on a on a podcast where they are actually reviewing it. I think it's a def, it's a the defunct podcast now. Otherwise, I would cite it. But yeah, and uh, the guy was saying like that he tried the diet and he went to touch his touch his chin and he missed. <laughs> and so I was like, sign sign me up. Well, anyhow, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it turns out I. <laughs> um, even though I'd never considered myself fat and no one was telling me I was fat. I didn't, I definitely, I still to this day will say I was not, whatever I had, I had abs, but I went on his diet and like people, I show my old driver's license and they think it's a different person type of thing. So anyhow, so it's had that, it's had that effect on me. And then just, um, huh. he was for a while there, he was the only one that was really doing what he did. You know what I mean? Like he he was, he was the foremost of, and, and if you just, yeah. uh, and I think I kind of stopped, I stopped listening to him so much because I, I felt like the, the quality of the guests was maybe not as high as it had been before. And maybe also, I think I felt like, well, I, I felt um, like I wasn't taking enough action in my own life. I would, you know, have this whatever inspiring story or something. And I was like, hmm, you know, like maybe I'd, yeah, I can get some advice from the founder of LinkedIn uh, but like, but like, I don't know how much of that I can actually apply. Mm-hmm. And um, but then I think I've noticed from the flip side of that, if I was just listening to like Buffalo Bills podcasts or angry political podcasts or something, that what you miss when you're not listening to something like Tim Ferris or or your show or uh, I'm audiobooking this uh, Albion Seed book right now, is that when you when you just it's like a friend, right? And if you have a very positive, upbeat, healthy living friend mm-hmm. in the from these podcasts or these audiobooks, that it it makes you um it makes you just a little bit better. It makes it sorry, it makes me a little bit better throughout my day. Um regardless if I'm not even if I'm not quitting my job and starting mm-hmm. my own company because I'm listening to it. Um so so yeah so um yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's my, I've answered, I've made my own question, but that's my relationship with Tim Ferriss.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it, it just, uh, his, his book, Tools of Titans kind of came at a, at a juncture in, in my life, I guess, in in the sense I've, I've always been intrigued of what people are reading. Uh, I've always pulled those lists. Um, I, I cut out during high school. I cut out in my, I was living in Atlanta. I cut out the newspaper that, or the, yeah, the newspaper that showed what every school required their students to read. And for some reason, I just, I I wasn't required to read a whole lot in high school. And so I I was going through that list and I I was picking books. So I've always been a sucker for these lists of what are the best books? What are the great books? What's uh, Warren Buffett reading? What's Bill Gates reading? Like I, I would always look at those lists. And so late 2006 or 2016 when um tools of titans comes out i'm reading it and it's basically he's taking his podcast episodes and then just transcribing them into this book but one of the questions he asked two questions of every guest what's your favorite book and then what's your most gifted book so when i was reading tools of titans i just started a spreadsheet and and would would just write each of those books down and i I didn't know (laughs) it but at the end of the book he actually just writes them all out so i didn't i didn't need to do what i was doing but uh but I, I took that. He actually writes more in the back, so um, I took that list of of the ones suggested in the actual body of the book, and um, it was like 120 something books. And I was like, these are the world's some of the world's top performers, and these are the books that influence them the most. Maybe something would rub off on me if I if I read these. And then I was just looking at the list, and it's like these. I, I'd love to read all these. And and so what what can I do to to try to start reading more of them uh, or, or more books each year. And, and then how can I remember what I'm reading? So that, that was really the Genesis of the, of the project. And, and so it, I called it books of Titans. I was actually going to call it books of tools of Titans and uh, my, my co-host yeah. at the time. said just call it books of Titans. And I'm glad I did because now I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying to distance from Tim Ferriss. Um, I, I'll st- I listened to probably half of his episodes uh the the he's getting deep into psychedelics and stuff and I, I'm not I'm not into that and and don't want to be associated with that. And so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of distancing myself but but for that moment, that was the perfect thing because it gave me a list of the books who had in, that had, had influenced some of the the world's top performers. Um, so I, I kept a list of those on my website. I was keeping a book of every, or a list of every single book ever recommended on the Tim Ferriss show podcast. I've, I've stopped doing that. And now yeah. I'm just, I'm pulling from a variety of places now. So I'm still getting recommendations from guests on on Tim Ferriss's show, but no, it's, and it's I, more and like I, I'm just collecting yeah, book ideas I, from, from
0: a lot of whatever fa- colleagues and ex-colleagues that I have that would listen to his show. I mean, I, I guess that's the thing is I don't want to, I don't. I, I don't want to like say anything bad about him really because whatever he had a great freaking 250 episodes or whatever. I definitely, I definitely was with him for all through those books and stuff yeah. like that. It's just that, um, the, we're not scraping the bottom of the barrel, but it's just not, I, it's just, I think I've got, I've gotten, I've gotten the gist of it. And, and like you said, for you personally, he's, he's moved, but, but he went for, for a while he was doing he, he I think, I think he, has done something, done something really great. And, um, and, uh, and he was the only person that was thinking about it yeah. doing it. Now there's, everyone is doing it. Um, but.
1: Uh, yeah. But I mean, even, even like, I mean, I some of his more recent episodes.
0: Yeah. Have, there's the, what's have really
1: impacted me as well. So um, I mean, he just, he, he continues to have People, yeah. even if it's people, I mean, if it's about drugs, I just delete it. I don't even listen to it. Um, And and but some of the ones recently, like, so it it's good. I I yeah, and, and like you, I don't I, I don't I don't want to say anything bad about him. It's just sure. more. Well, and the thing that I thought that was amazing kind of triggered the project right. for me. And the thing that was um, awesome, but I don't want it to be uh, tied to, to him. Was anything.
0: that you were not even you weren't even going to do a pod, you were just told you were telling friends that you wanted to do this yourself and your and Jason said, uh let's podcast this like. Yeah. that's 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 so great that like uh that's the yeah. beauty of, yeah. of teamwork there or the beauty of, you know i mean
1: yeah yeah he really got me going with the the podcast side of things and and that sure. you know ironically yeah. that's the thing that helps me remember what i read the best is to talk about the books on the podcast so, because i underline i write in the back of the books um i i review them on my website. I mean, each book has, you know, something like this, and this is few notes, you know, like on the LBJ books, it was three full pages of notes in the back. Um, But, but that act of having to compile everything and trying to get it into like a 30 to 45 minute podcast episode, that's the thing that has helped me remember what I read. And, And as I mentioned, I wanted to read more books, but I wanted to remember what I read. And so, Totally. Yeah. The podcast has helped, helped me do so that. So let's, let's, so let's actually just skip right to your
0: hidden gems and skip overrated for now. And then if for some reason we speed through these, then we'll come back to that. But, um, okay. We got a lot of good ones that are going to need some attention. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Um, so generation. So I did not revisit this one. I think I listened to it a couple of years okay. ago. Um, but it's a book that is really kind of. Uh, I think I, f- I f- maybe it's just my own awareness of it. You know how when you, whatever Joshua Tree effect, once you know about something, you see it come up all the time. But uh, I feel like a lot of uh, whatever econ Twitter, yeah. or finance Twitter, or just you know the or, or those podcasts that those you know the the author of this the fourth turning has um, uh, come up in a big way. Um, so what? So what? So. So no, so sorry, this is your hidden gems, but at the same time, I think it also flies under the radar and it's not in your normal, it's not in the normal, like biz or finance books or anything like that. And it's also really amazing. Um, So yeah, take it away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's one of those kind of like the LBJ series where it's just the, the, the size of it intimidates a lot of people. And it, it intimidated me too, especially the Generations book. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's a semi-big, semi I mean, it's not a huge book, but it's, it's just, it's one of those, it's, it's very dense. And so it's, it just takes a long time to get through. But so much of how we discuss things is from this lens of Generations. Uh, are you a millennial? Are you a Gen X? Um, and so he just goes through all these, these generations, but then creates a framework and says that they're repeating. And so yeah, maybe this isn't the best one to have under hidden gems because a lot of people do know about it, but I don't, I don't think a lot of people read it. Just it, it's, it's an, so I'm, book I'm trying all, to, f- so I'm trying to find out is, um, long.
0: how long, but this idea the fourth of turning is, because that's apparently this, so these are two separate books. I've, I only listened to the fourth turning. I didn't, I don't remember it being, remember it being that yeah. long, but. The, okay. Okay.
1: No, for like fourth turning is, is not as five, almost Generations pages. Is, a, is, a, is a little longer. Yeah. Um, yeah but but the first thing about it is that it presents a different uh, a different manner of looking at history than than perhaps what i was taught in school the the way i was taught and maybe i wasn't explicitly taught this but my the lesson i got from it is that we are continually getting better and our, our ideas are continually getting better and so if something is new then you know if 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 this thing is moving forward in popular thought and culture, it's because we've arrived and, and, you know, we're, we we do not think like how they thought back in the day, but we, we have this new way of thinking. And, and, and so everything's moving on this path towards better. What generation says is that actually history moves in a cycle and there are four different points in that cycle and they, they go 20 years. So every cycle is 80 years and there's, tw- there's four different generations within those 80 years, each comprising of around 20, roughly 20 years. Those, those generations repeat. So if you have one type of generation, you're going to see that 80 years later. And there are, there are common themes within each of those generations. And so he, he uses this book. And so, you know, you you could look at, you could finish the book and say, well, that's just him looking back at history and kind of, you know, thinking things through and, and, and coming up with a, a, a narrative piece that ties through all of that but the other thing he does in, in, in generations specifically in the fourth turning is a newer book so there's actually more ab- about what's coming in the future or what they think based on what's happened in the past but in generations i mean there there is a part of the book that talks about the crisis of 2020 that's, and the that's book was insane. written in 1990 I mean- So it, it's stuff like that. And then, and then they, they talk about uh, a potential like terrorist or something happening at the beginning of 2000. And if this type of a leader from this generation is in power, this is how that leader is likely to respond. If, the, if a leader from this generation, uh, you find out that there has never been a silent generation okay. president, actually, until Biden. There, uh, but for all these years, there was never a silent generation president. Mm-hmm. Why? there were a ton from Gen X, Why, or uh, not Gen X, but um, the the generation before that. Why why were there none from silent? And so it's just kind of those types of things. And it just, it it causes you to look at history in a different way. And it's not the end all be all and there's problems with it. And, and they, they kind of map stuff out that never happened. No, but, but like, th- <laughs> I just kind of keep going yeah. back to that. There is going to be a crisis right. in 2020. Here's how different people would respond. And you've got, You've got COVID, you've got um, the protests in like- Right, yeah. I didn't I mean, see it I wasn't
0: even with, thinking with about that. that, but that's insane. That's amazing. Uh, and so what? So I, I had said beforehand, don't give yeah. too much of a synopsis, but do you remember exactly what he calls? And then, so I, I, it's funny because I think there's a lot of people on Twitter that are um, tweeting about these different things, talking about, oh, civilizations rise, by whatever heroics and then people get the civilizations get fat and then they deteriorate and then it goes as, as that type of cycle but he breaks it he breaks it down more towards and then gives examples of and the thing is is like uh you know besides like the civil war most people don't know I don't remember you know I it's he, he goes he, i guess what i'm trying to say is there's a lot that happened in like whatever the 1900s or the the 1800s you know what I mean uh that, that we don't know about or he, he they go into these different yeah the different things there's it's just like a forgotten history because it doesn't exactly have to do with the civil war and it doesn't exactly have to do with world war one and so it's just like skipped over um so yeah, yeah so you learn a lot about history that you wouldn't know but what are the what do you remember what the names of the four generations are i forget it's like the it's like the it's like, it's not like dungeons and dragons um, but it's a little bit like that you know like the wizard the, the rogue <laughs> uh, yeah that way, yeah. That, doesn't, that that doesn't matter. But they have yeah, um, means
1: of yeah, types, and, and this
0: is one a type of person uh, that that kind of describes that type of generation. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it. I, I don't know if I would go as far as to put it in the important books, uh, but it, it would be pretty like if I were to divide, like what I said earlier between the good, the great, and the important books. Um, I mean, the important books to me are like the foundational books. Uh, that inform a lot of everything else. This would be close to that. I, I don't know if it'll stand the test of time type thing, but like it's close in the sense that it's one of those books that just kind of helps you like whatever else you read. If, if you're like, okay, this book is about LBJ. Okay. What, what, um, what generation was LBJ from? Okay. He, he would probably have these, these types of characteristic. Like it just kind of, it's one of those right. books that kind of helps you It's a good heuristic. place yeah. things. Um, not, not that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good heuristic. It's not that you need to, it's not absolute truth. It's not that, that like, you have to look at that and then that'll help inform everything else. But it's like, it just, it, it at least allows you to start with some sort of a framework when you're learning about somebody or a period of history, like, okay, what, what, what generation would have been at this age during that period. And, and it just might help you think about a period of time or a person yeah. In,
0: and just, if you think of it as a, this cycle, and you way. mentioned something where like, um because of different things that are happening in this, in this cycle, that actually grandkids are actually like much more as something I've been thinking about this week, they're much more simpatico with their grandparents than they are actually with their parents. It's people always just think like, oh, well, it's the parents that have to do the discipline, yeah. And the grandparents just to you know they just get to feed them Dr Pepper, um, but it, that but but there's also something deeper there yeah. where they are, um, be, because of their influences and in whatever in life that they're you know uh, they have a bond or yeah, so, um, sorry excuse me I yeah. just tried to yep. do something I don't know if that made a beep anyhow um your number four is uh, the things they carried this, this is a book I'm glad you put it on there this is a book that I've been avoiding for such a long time because well, because it was like this, I just, I just would get into this. Oh, "Oh, it's kind of a fact or it's a fiction, nonfiction blend. I was like, right, I'm out. Uh, You know, and and it was already a hard enough sell because it's like, Oh brother, you know, Vietnam shoot. I, 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 I'm not ready for Vietnam. I was saying um, in a previous episode uh, the guy had the deer hunter uh, with Sam, he had the Deer Hunter on. Oh man, I don't want to. I don't want to watch the Deer Hunter. I can't have. And it, it turned out like I'm willing to say like now that like the Deer Hunter yeah. is my. It's not my favorite movie, but I'm, I would totally be willing to tell people it's my favorite movie just because it blew blew me out of the water and I, it had such a profound effect on me. Wow. And so this also had a was really. Yeah. Uh, thank you. For, I'm glad you did the show and I'm glad you put it down because it was really amazing. I mean, I've I've even like I've even listened to Dispatches, Michael Hare's Dispatches. other vietnam books but i've been pointing this but this um because of the way that the author because of the author it yeah i mean i was almost i was almost crying in the middle of the gym uh on one of the one of the passages um yeah one of the stories but um but yeah i guess what what, why is it your number four
1: well it 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 introduces an idea that shows up in a lot of books. And I, and so I, I, I referenced this one a lot in my episodes because he talks about, uh, happening truth vo- versus a different kind of truth. So especially with war, how, how do you, how do you talk about war and, and what, what is actually true? And, and, and I think it informs so much of what we're dealing with right now with, news organizations and stuff like how how do you get to the truth of something and so he talks about these different things like you could be an outside observer of a battle so like you could be up in the hill and you see everything that happens and so in the next day in the newspaper you could say this 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 uh this commander uh, put this flank over here they attacked here um there was a counterattack here and all of that would be true all of that happened but what if you get the story from the soldier that is charging and it may not, he may have it totally wrong. He may say this group attacked after this group attacked, but he's in the midst of the battle and he's, he's not looking at it 30,000 feet away and, and seeing how everything is moving, but is, is his any less true? Because he's in the midst of it and in his, his description of it is as it's happening. So, what what's what's true in that sense and then how how do you portray it as a writer of a a battle scene like or what happens in war and do you talk about what it does to somebody internally like at their soul level or do you just talk about what happened number dead number wounded like what how do you best describe that in in There's yeah, there's so many different parts of this book, and, and, and 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 I liked that aspect of it. But the thing that really stuck to me, and the thing that helps me when reading other books, is is just thinking of it in that way of of the the different type types of way of portraying a story, and what for any given situation, what is the best way to to present it to 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 help somebody to understand it. And, and, you know, going back to this, this working book by Carol, like it's something he discusses a lot too. Like, how do you, how do you get somebody in that scene to understand yeah. what actually happened? So that, that was kind of my main takeaway with, with the things they carried and it. It's something yeah, that I yeah. just think about um, all the time.
0: And I feel like what, what you said, but also, I don't know, from what I, I, I wasn't actually taking notes on when he would say this, blending of fact and fiction but then i had another guest that was talking about he was doing that with a book he was writing so it got me thinking about it more and and looking at those parts again and it and it it is like um he's he's he wants he wants to like whatever convey the soul of what was happening in in vietnam and if he and if he tells us what exactly happened Mm -hmm that's not going to, that's not going to get it through to us. That's not going to communicate it with us. So he kind of has to blur the lines and he, I don't know, he does a lot of very interesting things where he will kind of like say what happened and then say, I don't know, just different, different offshoots. And, and I don't know, it's um, yeah, it's a, it's, there's a, I, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great book. Uh, the, 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 the rainy, the rainy river was on the rainy yeah. river was the one that I was, was found the most effective found the most affecting, which it isn't even about Vietnam. Oh, okay. It's about him who is, I can't freaking believe that somebody who went to Harvard graduated from Harvard undergrad was then like going to be drafted. I, I wasn't exactly sure what to get those years or whatever. Cause I know that my dad was like, I think freshman year, he was like mm-hmm. flunking out and he was got, he got, he was, he was playing poker too late and he was gonna, he got, he was going to get drafted and, and then his mom, I mean, they were not, they were, they were nothing. Uh, whatever. They were from humble origins. <laughs> she wrote a letter to somebody somehow he got a reprieve and he got his, he got his grades yeah. up and everybody else got sent to Vietnam and he, and he did, but, yeah. like, the, but this guy was, I guess, so he, he was, I guess he was out of college. And so there was no uh, for grad school. You couldn't get out of Vietnam. I so saw, I saw it was just open season on him and it just goes to his agonizing I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Oh, I mean, it's just amazing. Like I can't, I can't wait to go back and, and read and read that part because it also things hit you differently from when you listen to him and read them. But this, he, he, he sounds like he goes up to the boundary waters or something in Minnesota or for the border of Canada. And, and he stays in a, in a cabin at a, a close, I mean, a closed, a closed down summer, um, uh, retreat or summer, uh, Uh, holiday um cabins that's that's such a kind of a vibe in and of its own thing when that's when that when fall hits that or whatever and so he's up there and it just has this amazing relationship with this guy and uh the guy's so nice to him and oh it's just it's a shattering um shattering passage and 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 that, and that yeah. i guess the, the rest of the book is is really good too so i i hate to uh feel like i'm praising that it's just that that rise for me personally rose to such a level um but yeah uh okay so then yeah. next we have that's cool. um that's cool a big a big one <laughs> uh destiny disrupted it's gonna take on basically uh the entire history of the world from the muslim perspective or from the islamic perspective um and uh yeah so this i i thought this is this is interesting cuz i listened to your um uh episode of uh, the genghis khan and the making of the western world which is one of my was like one of my all time favorite books mm-hmm. and jason because he's a historian uh was able to really kind of uh show some places where that came up short um and also and also add so it was a great another it was a great great mm-hmm. episode i can't I'm, so i'm really looking forward to kind of looking um listening to the eps of the books that setback I was like oh i don't need to listen to that one because i've read that book but actually it's super interesting to be reminded of the good parts yeah. and then to also um kind of have some things filled in on what the author did right or or, or didn't do so great um but so that 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 kind of is a revisionist mongol perspective yeah. and this is um this is basically the author saying who whatever was educated in the west and and was even discussing uh, how to make uh, curriculum and what what to include in history books and he was like okay uh, this this looks like some the, the islamic perspective really needs to be addressed here <laughs> uh, because it's because it's not um uh so yes, yeah, so this is, this is pretty great. And that's your, it's your number three.
1: Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's important to, to read books like this, just to see things that we know about, but to see them through different eyes. And so that, that's the reason I, I wanted to pick up this book. Um, and it kind of, part of it started with, uh, with war and peace. Like I, I always wanted to read war and peace and it was on my 2018 list. And, um, they're talking about the Napoleonic Wars, but it's from all these different points of view. So one chapter, it's like, you're, you're kind of in, in Napoleon's area. Like you're in his head in a way and kind of looking at the battle from that way, but then you're looking at it from a, a Russian soldier. And then you're looking at it from a Russian general. And so like, you're seeing this war from a lot of different ways and, I've always known it as the Napoleonic Wars, but that's not what it's called in Russia. And so, like, what 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 about viewing? That's that was it, uh, that was one thing that really stuck out to me in War and Peace is just kind of viewing that particular war from a Russian side of of view. Um, so what 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 are we missing? I mean, I, I had a very poor historical education growing up, and it it would. I learned about world war two and like, you know, even barely, barely, I never learned about China and Maoist China and him killing 60 million of his own people. Like there are just so many blind spots in my, in my education on that. And so, and then anything I would have had would have been through one prism of being very U S based. And so to read a book like this, just to see history, I mean, the, the subtitle history of the world through Islamic eyes, just helps you see things that we know happened but to see it how it would be viewed from a different side of history and it just kind of helps you see like oh okay maybe that's why they respond this way when something like this happens or um yeah just uh, just looking at it in, in a different way is, is very helpful so that's why um i think that's a, a hidden gem book
0: yeah and i i would say it kind of it kind of for me personally got off to a little bit of a slow start um or first is first is super interesting because it's talking because i i always kind of knew kind of okay this is kind of where the sunnis come this is kind of where the Shi'as come from uh so it start, it's, it's i think it starts off it was pretty interesting for me okay, talking about muhammad how that all happened okay now muhammad dies now what do we do okay that that was interesting and then it kind of goes through a little bit little bit of a lull but then basically seth but then even from my own perspective it's like okay but then the crusades hit and things get pretty interesting again um yeah and just talking about like how how they uh you know they didn't really recognize it as a threat because they were just like okay we're this this is the world this is the, the entire world and we have like these little beggars on the edges over here um and they and they want to beat up one of our enemies so like oh yeah hey maybe he took him out now to go take out our other enemy not realizing that it was uh kind of a a, a, uh that was a christian muslim battle as opposed to just a different kingdoms battle but but yeah he also yeah um and then it goes into whatever sufi islam and stuff um and he makes he makes kind of I, don't know, I, I, I almost i almost think he could have like spent a little bit more time on uh the different like um whatever mathematics i mean he, I, I almost felt like almost thought at different points he was almost a little he, i don't know he could have it could have been more of it's not it's not a puff piece by any stretch of the imagination it, you know it just he's very yeah. he's very matter of fact he, he almost seemed, he doesn't seem doesn't really seem to have uh much of an agenda and then it comes back to the uh, the modern day in the 20th century and and was a good um, kind of uh, clarifications of you know okay, Nesser and Mazadek and da, da 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 you know hmm. um, so yeah so I'm glad I'm glad uh, I'm glad you had it on here uh, it was it's definitely uh, de- definitely whatever an important an important perspective to have even you know even if you whatever you, you can walk away with your same views as you had beforehand but at least this way you're going to yeah. be you're going to be educated and you're not going to be ignorant um yeah. so yeah um, i don't know is there anything else that people need to know about that one or it's just it's, it's a broad it's a broad book i guess um
1: yeah it's it's a quick history of everything but but just from a different perspective of of what you, you've probably heard before yeah
0: um but yeah, it's good. Clear, you know, okay, Wahhabism, and uh, I thought I was gonna say was he, but and he just gets into he gets into different things like, um, that that I, I had never heard before. Uh, whether it's uh, uh, Yval Harari or any other history book, is saying that I didn't I didn't realize that, that Spain got so much gold from the Americans that it crashed the European gold market.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't. Know I was that. like, so
0: so he so he doesn't. Um, so he, he he's he he's very um, I don't know he's I, I, even with the, having read that Mongol book I didn't real I had forgotten or whatever that they like you know they could move so fast because they slept on their horses and they would open a vein on their horse's neck and drink the blood and put dummies on the horses so anyhow so he so he doesn't he um, just because it's primarily about Islam he he uh, is very knowledgeable and covers a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, so this, my, this is my, so this is my first one that I did not, uh, not my first. Besides, besides Thinking Fast and Slow in the Gulag, like, this is the first one that I did not read. Um, I did not read the one, one or two. So I'm gonna need the pep talk on on this one because basically it came down to this is not this number two is not a very long book, but it was either uh, start this or start Master of the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> and i thought you, you made the right choice. i thought well yeah. no well i don't know well yeah I, so i i have a kind of problem with dave Eggers um because i just the heartwork work breaking work of startling genius about his parents dying like okay i understand why people like it so much but for me it was i didn't i didn't love it and then i even subscribed for a while to his magazine the believer um but that was basically just for the column at the end of it um by Nick, by Nick Hornby, but, um, but it's an interesting magazine. Um, but, and I like, and I really do like coffee. Um, so I'm, I, 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 I think I could like this, but what, uh, what did you like? What I say, I say this a lot to my guests. What did you like so much about this, <laughs> Eric?
1: <laughs> well, and, in, in for the hidden judge, just for the record, these, these, these aren't in order of like the best or, you know, like worst to best or, or anything like that. So like the Monka Mocha is not like I don't place this as one one of the top books of the project or anything, but, no, but it's, it's supposed, I, I supposed to be one that's then, overlooked
0: that people haven't. And I I had never yeah. heard of it despite Eggers being a big deal. So I think that, you know, because people will, that's yeah. what we're trying to that's kind of, we're trying to say, that's my niche. That's our niche here. Yeah. Um, and okay. so, so you don't, you don't, so have, yeah, to me, any, don't have to a make few... any apologies.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let me highlight a few things. One, uh, you, you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but I walked into a bookstore and I saw the cover of this book and I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story of how I heard of it. Um, I mean, I had read The Circle by Dave Egger, so I, I was familiar with him, but, um, but it was really the cover of the book. I just thought it looked cool, and, and I'm a big coffee drinker, so I was like, I'll, I'll add this to a list. The, the story is of a Yemeni-American who tries to get back to his roots in Yemen by importing coffee back into the United States, like high-end coffee. The, the only problem is there's a civil war going on and Taliban are, are bombing the crap out of the country and, and all that. So, I mean, it's, it's modern day. Uh, what, what's happening, mean, just, you know, a few years back, but just kind of the coming of age story of the, of this man trying to grapple with his country of origin and getting coffee into this, the United States. That's high quality Yemeni coffee. Um, there are just a lot of beautiful pieces of that story. And, and, it, it was, just, yeah, it was just, it was a neat, it was a neat story. I learned a lot about coffee. I learned a lot about Yemen. And so it, it was one of those books where I'm learning a lot, but also it's through this lens of this guy and it's just kind of a cool story. So that that's one part of it. The other part is um, I bought this after reading this book, I bought it for three people that are in the coffee business that are friends of mine. And I just sent it to them I didn't really describe why other than, Hey, you like coffee. You, you might like this book. And one of the guys, I got together with him a few months later after giving him the book. And he said, um, this is the first book I've read since college. And, and this is a guy like in his third, like probably late thirties now. And he said, I've not read a book since I was in college. And I've started reading now because of this, this book. Um, and so it's not that this is like the greatest book ever. And and it's going to have that reaction for everybody, but it, but it, it brings home the point of like, I heard, I heard a quote where a guy said, if you're watching Netflix, instead of reading a book, you're, you're just, you're reading the wrong book. And th- I, th- I believe that there is a book for every person that will spark something to get them to start reading. And I had that book when I was uh, 18. Um, I call it a hinge book. And I ask people about their hinge book and and for for my friend this ended up being a hinge book and now and now he's he started reading and his wife has started reading and they read this book to each other wow. um and and it was just so it, it's kind of a I, maybe I'm giving more credit to No I don't than, think so than don't it's think worth so. but it's like it, it's that it's just a beautiful story of how it got a friend of mine into reading and I I didn't think I I didn't first I didn't know that he wasn't a reader and then second um you just never know. Like you introduce somebody to a book and it might, it might change their life.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And I think, I think it even has um, maybe from somebody who was a um, uh, less concrete than you are, but you're a pretty concrete guy with, like I said, keeping track of your minute, every, every minute that you've read a book and all, all kinds of spreadsheets and everything. Yeah. So a little, I think we would definitely room for a little bit of anecdotal evidence here Um with that. Um, so that, that, that's really yeah. cool. No, and there that is just a thing that happens even to, like, I had really stopped reading a lot. And that this mm-hmm. is another thing I needed to give Tim Ferriss credit for is, is he said, you have to, you have to read a book before you go to bed, just because you have to, you have to read. Hmm. Yet and, yet. and it can't be something, don't have it be something to do with your work because you just need your brain to disconnect and you'll sleep, sleep better if you're reading fiction and so that's what got me back hmm. into reading so i can kind of uh you know i can i can feel where your friend is coming from okay and your your number one uh how do you say it heraclitian
1: i have i have no idea i uh, i covered this with jason on the podcast in 2000, 2017 i think and i i always mispronounce it he he knows the correct pronunciation it's uh her- heraclitus or heraclides is the person but uh her Herac- Clidian fire, <laughs> Heraclitian fire. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how to yeah. pronounce it, but
0: I feel like um, I've always heard um, it's it, by yeah. Erwin
1: Chargoff, and he was he was a science teacher in New York. I, I, gosh, it was five years ago when I read this, but it was um, it was either Princeton or Columbia, and he uh, not Princeton, that's not in New York, but uh, so it, maybe it was Columbia, um, but it was just. I don't know how best to describe, other than to say it was just, it was a beautiful book. And he's talking about his stories, talking about um, science and teaching science and in what this is many years ago in the, in the 1900s, but he's talking about the direction science is going and how he doesn't like that, where people used to have more of a broad general um, understanding of science and then how in the university, everything was going more towards, a, a niche in science and like you you were the biologist and you or you are a very specific kind of biologist and like you only knew that but that made it really hard for you to see other things that that should have been kind of common um so he he identified that he didn't like where that was going um but it's just a story of his life too moving from europe to the states and so he's looking at the states with kind of a fresh pair of eyes and so it it's, it's neat seeing that, like seeing somebody describe the United States at the time. Um, and just, yeah, just kind of like this guy's life story, but it, it was just a beautiful book. Um, it was one of those suggested by, uh, I think it was Brett uh, Wein- Weinstein, maybe in, in Tools of Titans. Okay. And it was one of those where I just I was like, I've never heard of that book. It sounds interesting. I'm going to add it to the list. And it, it was one of them that I, I really enjoyed. Um, so that's, that's probably my, for actually for the whole project, probably the the number one hidden gem, just because I'd never heard of it. Most people have not. Yeah. it's
0: only it. got two reviews and, um, on Amazon. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and you can actually get it for free. You can get the, um, if, if you just search for the title of that book, a site comes up where you can get the PDF for free, or, or they also allow you to buy the hard, co- hard cover of the, co- of the book. Um, so it's, it's the the group that published the book, but if you don't want to spend money on it, you can, you can get it and download it to your, to your device. Um, I got the, the print version. Um, but yeah. yeah,
0: Cause on Amazon,
1: one of those words, just
0: Amazon it's uh it's like, I don't know, fairly expensive. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's like, yeah, so, I, I
1: must think uh, there's like an arbitrage yeah. opportunity there. Cause you can buy it on the, on the one publisher website for not, not too expensive, yeah. but like, yeah, they go pretty, for pretty high on Amazon. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So the minimum one is like $78 and then there's other $900 ones. So anyhow, so yeah. So, yeah. so Her- Heraclesian <laughs> fire, you don't have to spell it right to get sketches from a life before nature by Irwin, Erwin E R W I N charge graph. So yeah, um, that's, that's about It's 250 pages. So it's not, it's not massive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty quick.
0: Um, yeah, cool. Um, and now I I have you I have on the, the little Google Doc here I have a I have a honorable mentions and I have odds and ends I just want to jump straight to jump to um jump to odds and ends to just to get your take here because I was telling another um, last last week's guest that I am. I think everybody should sample like the top three things of every genre, whether that's graphic novels or whether that's musicals or, or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Um, those things are, are tops in their category because, because they are so good and most likely they are probably, uh, accessible at at some level or they reach such a level of genius or wonderfulness that they are, uh, anybody could get into them. Um, but you have down opera. So are you an opera buff or opera fan?
1: Um, I'm not a, not a buff, but yeah, I'm, I'm a fan and I'm just kind of trying to learn more and more about it. And uh, for, for me, opera is like the combination of all the best things. So you've got, you've got an orchestra. I mean, you, you, you pretty much have a, a symphony there playing. So there's the, you could go just to watch the orchestra. You've got theater. You could just go to watch the theater. You've got singing. You could just go to a concert of singing and you've got, like, you've got a story, you've got a, a narrative going on. And, but it, opera like combines all of these things into one thing. And you can just keep digging. Like um, the Marriage of Figaro by Mozart, it, I started listening to it in 2004. I've probably listened to the whole thing 500 times in my wow. life. I mean, I, I, used to just work and just, just, uh, have it playing over and over the, the whole thing. And I've, I've gone to see it a few times. I could not give you the synopsis of the story. I could not, um, tell you what they're saying. I mean, it's, it's in, it's in Italian. Uh, one of the books on my list next year is it, it's kind of a book slash opera. It's going to be the marriage of Figaro. And I'm going to go through the entire opera, read the whole story, go through the, the the music score as I'm listening to it to understand what's being said when. And it's just one of those things. So like I've listened to this opera for you know 15 plus years, but I, I don't even know what they're saying. But it just kind of like, I can keep going. I can keep digging deeper. I can learn what they're saying. And then I can learn what Mozart did with the music based on what they were saying and if they were angry or happy or that. So it's like this endless thing that I can dig into and never really reach the bottom of it. And that's just one opera. Like you, you could just keep, keep going. And I mean, what, just even knowing the basics of, of the, the story, like some of it's just so absurd and it's like dumb stuff going on in the opera, but it's some of the most beautiful music you've ever heard. And I think that's a, a, a power in itself of like maybe the content doesn't need to be so beautiful like what's actually happening between the characters maybe it's like adultery has just been been found out or something but like the the way that the woman is singing about it is just so heart-wrenching or um in marriage of figure the last scene is is a uh, there's forgiveness there and, and the way it's done musically is just it's just unbelievable um so yeah i, I just i encourage people to to get into into opera and, and just take it one piece at a time. Like if you like music, start with the music. If you like stories, start with reading the story. If you like, um, if you like this, the orchestra parts of it, listen, listen, like focus on that. Um, There's so much there, it's all connected. And then to then go also and see it live is just another experience in itself, in, in and of itself as well, so. It, it's, it may be hard to get into like the, the, the singing and uh, it, may, it may kind of great on people, but like, th- there's a lot there. And so I, I'd, I'd love to kind of get deeper into opera. I'm, I'm actually looking, I'm really looking forward to that podcast episode next year. I'm actually already thinking about it of like highlighting some of the songs and, and kind of describing what's going on as, as I'm learning about it, that sort of thing. So, uh, so yeah, I wanted to mention opera just because I think it's kind of an endless yeah. thing. And if you, if you enjoy reading, it's kind of a, 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 a step like you, you're reading, you could read it or you could listen to it or you could do both, you know, like it's just kind of a neat, neat, thing. cool.
0: No, that's why I say, I really need the uh, opera sales pitch because I, when I think it, when I, when I, I, every time I say that thought that I have about knowing the top three things i think you hypocrite you don't know you don't know sick about opera so what is marriage yeah. of figaro is that the a good starting point for most people or is that your hinge opera or is it just your favorite or how where, where how?
1: yeah it's, it's my hinge it's my hinge opera um for a few reasons so my, my mom is a singer and and uh my sister and i took a trip with my parents to italy with the choir that my mom was in and one of her solos was a song from marriage of Figaro. It's also the song that is in Shawshank redemption when he puts that record on and, and like, it just stops the whole prison. That's a duet from the marriage of Figaro. Um, And so when I heard my mom sing that, like that just kind of sparked an interest of of wanting to, to hear the whole opera. And then when you listen to the whole opera, you will recognize songs from that opera. Uh, You've heard them in advertisements, you've heard them, Maybe just playing there there. So that might be a good place to start just because there'll be a lot of familiar, pieces from that music. And so you'll recognize things kind of throughout. And then even that that's the song that was in Shawshank, you know, a lot of people know that movie and, and, um, and we'll, we'll, will remember that scene. So here's the opera where that came from. And in, in the movie they talk about, he says, I have no idea what they're saying, but you know, you could, you could actually look and, and see what they were saying and, 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 um, so yeah, that, that could be a good starting point. Um, that's just to, to start. Yeah, no, that's thing. great.
0: And that that's a good point that for um, that, it can, it will be kind of a rolling start for people. It won't be a, a standstill. Um, and that, yeah. cause that's, that's the huge thing is you just, you, you need to, you need to find a way in you, you need to have a good experience and then you're, then you're off to the races. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, and the
1: you know. other, the other one could be carbon. Okay uh, Carmen is another one where you you'll recognize a lot of the pieces in there. So it just kind of helps you maybe get through it the first few times. Cause it's like, Oh, I, kn- I know that piece. I've heard that one before. Yeah.
0: So I guess I just want to finish up by saying, uh, that, uh, if you, if you are, uh, are, or were a big Tim Ferriss head and a big, whatever kind of a biz book, uh, entrepreneurship, um, guy, I think your podcast has a lot to offer you're also probably you're also I listened to your George McDonald uh review which was awesome you also have a lot to say about fiction so maybe we'll see if I can hook you back on to talk about novels um yeah uh, so cool. there's but I guess what I'm trying to say is that you' and your and your podcast is extremely there's a lot of this is one of them a lot of kind of rambling podcasts yours is um very, you know, very well noted out and planned out. So, I guess what I'm saying is, is if is if you're a big biz book guy or gal, uh, you've got something for people. If you're looking for a fiction podcast, which I actually even said just on the last episode that I couldn't I couldn't find any fiction podcasts, but that's because I think of you as a nonfiction uh, guy, um, and I don't like the I, I don't. There's probably people I'm not uh, simpatico to use that word again with that are actually talking on most fiction podcasts um, but, uh, but yeah, you, you cover whatever, a lot of, uh, a lot of good ones. Um, so there's that way in. And then also if you're a person who does not, who not only does not want to read the effective executive by Peter Drucker, but is is like feels targeted or threatened or is breaking out in hives by, uh, you know, uh, by whatever your own insecurities and you don't ever want to go near one of these uh didactic biz books your podcast is a great way to get in and actually get what you need and get out quickly um and and and, and yeah. get, hopefully get a lot of the benefit and then start seeing that um whatever that that flywheel or those uh, positive effects kicking off in your own life um yeah and, and all of the upside and none of the downside so so yeah cool well thank, thanks a lot eric i really appreciate it um and I'll, yeah. I'll put the links to your website which is obviously a it's a top-of-the-line looking website <laughs> it explains a lot when you find out that that's your that's your business um and yeah so thanks so much for coming on yeah thanks for having us okay so, let's do a soft finish and then just thank you yeah. i appreciate it man. that was really cool um, I- i